right? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. He refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Amen, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, Lord Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Something that just came to mind, I read that this morning, and I think I mentioned before you started to record this podcast, is the last sentence of that Gospel, where... If, if I attend, now I know most people call them meetings, whether it's the Knights meeting, the Social Concerns Committee meeting, the Parish Pastoral Council meeting, I get that. But in my mind, I've been referring to them as quote-unquote Holy Spirit gatherings. because It's that, it's that, that one sentence right there in, the, in Matthew's Gospel. But I truly feel that way. Now, do they feel like meetings sometimes? Yeah, they do. <laughs> For different reasons, which we don't talk about right now. But um, I really feel that the Holy Spirit is working through people in the nights, social concerns, men's faith sharing, uh, or whomever to, to do good, you know, to do God's will. Yeah, so Holy Spirit, that's what I call them. Yeah, I like um, at the men's faith sharing group, Vince says the prayer that he says at the beginning, uh, you know, asking the Holy Spirit to be with us here in this room today. And to guide all we say, hear, and take into our hearts. I love that prayer, too. It's great. Yeah, it's nice. Well, let's say that. Yeah, okay, fine. We'll, we'll, yeah. Maybe we'll, 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 instead of starting the podcast off with Our Father, we can start it off with that prayer from mm-hmm. this group. Try to remember that. Yeah, and, 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 you know, we had talked about whenever two are gathered, come in your presence, Jesus said. And, you know, you know, falling out with your brother, and you know, I have a real world story about that because that's what happened to me and my brother. We became estranged, and you know, that, that, that it was something that he initiated. Uh, I did the best I could, and we never ironed out our differences, you know, because he had a he, he, he took a stand as, as to what he thought 
he made he made a situation harder and it didn't have to be because it was all after the fact and, and, and I think that happens to many people is that a lot of times you even forget what you were arguing about or what the situation was and something happened and it's over it's, it's done you continue to live your life and you know love your brother and sister I love my brother dearly we, we were always very close and for whatever reason, you know, we, we schism, we separated. And, you know, we wanted to come back. I was encouraged to come back. He did the research. He had passed away before I could do that. And I, you know, I, you know, I was kind of, uh, you know, taken back and in grief uh, that he had passed. But, uh, yeah, it, 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 yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's best to reconcile and, uh, you know, just you know, try, try, try to figure out why, why is this person holding a grudge or, uh, you know, why did things get hostile? And, uh, well, I think the uh, kind of the context of this gospel is in terms of, like, sins. So I'm curious if, if your brother or you know accused you of committing a sin and then you didn't repent or or because uh, uh, well or maybe he did something. I'm thinking of the gospel where you have something in your eye. You have to check out yourself. Is there something in your eye, not in your brother's? I don't know. I forget yeah. where that is. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I, I was never uh -huh. accused of, of like sinful behavior. I think because. It was the caretaking situation of our mother and father, and I was listening to them because I came from the school. If you're taking care of somebody, all you have to do is listen to what they want. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I didn't think it did involve that, so that's why I wanted to draw a distinction between uh, what Jesus is talking about here and what you were talking about, because kind of what you were talking about is uh, um, kind of like I feel like whatever is. You know, people failing to love one another. So you, you and your brother, or you know, I don't know the details of it, but but um, like this binding and loosing part of the gospel, is, and uh, is mainly about uh, membership in the church. And so it's like if someone is is sinning, like committing adultery or uh, cheating someone, or, or you know, like if so, if someone is, is sinning, then and, and you know, still going to, you know, calling himself a Christian and going to Mass and stuff. Uh, what this gospel is saying, hey, you know, first go to that person alone. You know, don't make a big deal of it. Don't, like, sh publicly shame him. Go to that person alone and say, hey, you know, you're, you're, you're not, uh, it's not right that you're cheating on your wife. Or it's not right that you're, uh, uh, you know, cheating your employer or employee or something mm -hmm. like that. And then, you know, if, if, the, if the person's like, you know what, you called me out on your right, and, and then, you know, and then he get, and then he reconciles himself with God, because uh, you know, he'll go to confession and be like, I did this thing wrong. But, uh, but then if he doesn't do that, if he doesn't listen to you, and he's like, uh, and, he, and he still does, he's still cheating on his wife, he's still, uh, you know, cheat, cheating his employer or employees, then you, you you take like you know one or two of your friends you're like you know it's like let's say one of our friends is in it, and I'm like hey guys let's go talk to him and then, and then we go to him with like you know a couple people 
and, and confront him again. And of quotes here, it says, you know, so that the testimony of two or three witnesses, um, because there is something in, I guess, the Old Testament about how, uh, as like for evidence, you need, a, you know, it can't be a he said, he said type thing. You need, you need uh, witnesses. So, so that's why the second level of it is to, instead of one, one you bring witnesses. And then if he still refuses to, you know, to listen to like the two or three of you, then then you go to like church. So you go to, you know, the priest or the bishop and say, hey, this guy, <laughs> this guy, is, you know, say he's receiving holy communion and he's and he's and, he, and he's, you know, a great sinner. And and and, <laughs> and, and, uh, and then I guess maybe then then the priest or the bishop would talk to him. And, and then if he still refuses to listen, then you're supposed to treat him as a Gentile tax collector. And that's like, and then there's a sentence about whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and loose on earth and loose in heaven. I think that's an example of you know, Jesus saying you do have the ability to excommunicate people from the church. Uh, it's, you know, and, and, and so that's, that's kind of like, you know, uh, what, what I was thinking of. The one thing that's going through my mind, just listening to it, is I think when I say we, it's it's including myself, is that we have to do, I think, self-reflection, maybe examination of conscience. Um, one example is I was uh, reading over something today where I'm critiquing it, changing it, and I had read this to a group of people uh, maybe a few years ago, and part of it is advice in terms of living a good marriage and I read it today I'm like I have to abide by the same thing I'm telling them because some of these things I need to be more conscious of so I think that would help is especially for myself to do more self-reflection and I know it's on my list like every January 1 is do an examination of conscience at the end of the day I think I have to get back to that just to do better the next day, whatever it is. Yeah, I have a you know, commentary on this that kind of brings that yeah. up. And you had mentioned the thing in in, in, in the, the eye, the eye. <laughs> and that's, that's mentioned in this All right, report. It says, um, uh, "We must do everything we possibly can to bring another back when we stray. We must hold each other accountable, not by arrogantly judging our brothers and sisters. We can hardly see the speck in." in their eyes for the plank in our own, remember? But by reaching out to them when they are in trouble. This passage follows Christ's parable of the Good Shepherd, who leaves his 99 sheep alone in order to seek the one who has strayed. Christ is insisting here that his ministers had the same selfless and determined attitude. The leader of the Christian community is traditionally called a pastor which comes from the Latin word for shepherd. Bishops are pastors of their diocese. Priests are pastors of their parishes. All Christians, in a sense, are pastors of the souls entrusted to their spiritual or physical care. With this instruction, Jesus is enjoining each of us, but especially his ordained ministers, those who will carry on the ministry of his 12 apostles, to give everyone the attention they need go after the wandering sheep, and to do everything possible to bring them back into the safety of his fold. So I did mention there that, you know, um, you have to, 
Because it is weird if uh, you're to go and be like, to try to hold someone accountable for their faults while, while still, right. you know, like, you know, it's like, don't judge me, or, or, right. or, and like, you know, we have our own problems and stuff. <laughs> But that's why when I use this example, I use like egregious sins as like you know ones yeah. that were quite obvious. Sure. I like the. Uh, I wasn't thinking of it, but when Christ um, says it's it's okay to leave the ninety nine and go for that one, right away I thought of, and I know I brought them up plenty of times before, um, is the Church of the Nativity. How it seems like they really focus on that that one passage you read about leaving. Um, the folks here are going out to reach the people who are unchurched. And um, that came up in conversation yesterday with, uh, it was not planned, but uh, somebody I was talking to on the phone yesterday brought up that church. I said, well, if you want to, um, I haven't planned anything, but if you guys are interested in going, we might plan something for November. I mean, she's really busy with stuff at church uh, for the next two months. But um, I'll just let you guys know if you're, like I said, interested in Any thoughts over there, Mr. Homa? Yeah, I had sinful behavior, and I'll admit this in front of you all now, and I want to get this off my chest, is that my downfall, which I'm struggling with now, I, I got involved with a woman who was married, but she was divorced, and she never got an annulment. And I came into her company very innocently, and you know we were working together, and I was warned, it's like, Mark, don't, go into an adulterous relationship because they, the church will still look at it as that. So I went to Shoemaker to try to get her, to encourage her to get an annulment since, you know, and she had children with this. And then I had no idea, but months into us working together, and unfortunately I had committed, you know, I, I put my life savings on the line, found out she had a civil ceremony where she married somebody else. When you were seeing her? When I was seeing her, and she was uh, separated, and that was in the works of being uh, dismantled also. But in hindsight, uh, you know, if I had you guys around, I would have discussed this. I really didn't have anybody around me because I was caretaking and just getting through that and my mom. And I never really discussed it with anyone. But I feel comfortable enough with you guys to discuss that. And I'm curious as to know what you would have advised. But, you know, in hindsight, I would have been better to just be friends, be supportive, and never, ever have gotten involved because it was the involvement that caused my downfall and all this uh, unnecessary suffering. You know, there's a suffering that we have from carrying our cross, but the needless suffering to me is, like, ridiculous. That's what it was. And, you know, I was trying to do the quote-unquote right thing to try to, you know, you know help, help her and, and come back to the church and things like that. But it's like, you know, I was eventually told, it's like, Mark, you know, you should, you should stay clear of this situation. It's, it's above your pay grade. And... You know, I could get seriously hurt, which I did. Very, you know, losing the house and, and, and everything and and not rebounding properly and, and, and having to struggle. So, 
What would you guys say if you would advise me back then to find out that, you know, it's like, oh, Mark, where'd you go? I went with, with this girl and, and, you know, she's married, divorced, she didn't get an annulment, and here I found out she's married somebody else, but she left. And, uh, you know, in, in hindsight, had I just <clears throat> remained friends and just, you know, whatever I could do, but unfortunately, I got so wrapped up and involved and entangled that I had, I had lost, you know, everything. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of Peter walking on the water where he took his eyes off of Jesus. I think that's maybe what you did because that's immoral what she did. Me personally, I was, I've never been in those shoes, what you just described, but if I was, I would, I would have politely told her that this is not for me and then both of us need to move on. If she disagreed, then... We would just have to agree to disagree. What was immoral? What are you talking about? Like for what she did, what you just explained. The fact that she did not get an enrollment, and then she's with somebody else, and then she's doing something with somebody else when this other thing wasn't officially complete, the divorce. It just, that doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. I mean, like, I would never do that. Um, Like, my mindset is, um, if you read in scripture about marriage, uh, and I think it is God's will, um... I mean, Barb's not Catholic, but that doesn't matter. Um, we both believe in Christ. We follow him. We live his life as best as we can according to his teachings. But the thing is, um, I've told people, I, I will never get divorced no matter what happens. Now, if it's, guys, come on, if it's drastic, Barb will probably never do something drastic. I'm just guessing. Um, then you have to really consider what the other person did in terms of morality. But, I mean, I never will because um, that's the will of, of God, what he wants for us. Yeah. And I, that, that's just me, though. Yeah. That's just me. But, but, but to me, it was very simple about marriage and things. And I think the church protects us tremendously mm-hmm. with the pre-Canaan stuff. And it's very simple. Like, look, if you want to get married, let's go talk to the priest. And I think they had a running bet. Some of the girls, you know, that I would bring around for potential marriage, the priest would, like, snicker and say, Really? You know, and I'm not even thinking, I'm just smitten with this person or whatever. And it's like, you know, I've been told in so many words, it's like, Mark, you know, in our experience, this is not going to work. And they had their reasons and they would say, you know what you have to do. And I would be crushed. I'd be heartbroken because, uh, you know, I thought I, I would, I thought I had something special. And even though, you know, that might have been true, you have to think of, you know, the big picture. And you want a healthy, stable, and secure relationship. Uh, Something related to that, Mark, a quick story. When Barb and I were um, parishioners at St. Francis Cabrini from 1995 until 2000, we were part of the team that did lead pre-Cana. So I know a little bit about pre-Cana. Some couples at the end of the weekend... Say we're good. We're not getting. We're not getting married, and we politely said that that's maybe a good thing because if you choose to get married, um, it, it gets worse because of all these um, issues, so to speak, going into the marriage. But I think that's why you do pre-cana. Um, my daughter Christina gets married next Friday, and for the past about nine or ten months, they had to meet with the pastor uh, once a month. Now, I don't know what they talked about, but um, I think it's a good thing in terms of whatever they did work 
work on um, each time they met over the past year or so. But I think pre-Cana is great. I think doing what Christina and Alex did is, is amazing. Because if you don't do that, you're kind of surprised, you know, sometimes when you get married, if you don't know the person you're marrying. Uh, Barbara and I usually give the talk on communication. Now, sometimes she and I are great at it. Sometimes we're not so great. And uh, we felt that that talk was one of the most important things because if you don't communicate with your spouse, then everything stays inside. And then things get somewhat crazy over time because... Uh, it could be something small or something big, but if you don't let your spouse know, then things just build. It's like a pressure cooker. It just keeps building and building and building until things go crazy on a given day. But uh, And the one thing I've learned besides communicating with um, others, and, uh, mainly Barb, is that sometimes you have to, and you guys know this, sometimes you have to just sit there and listen. Um, one, This just came to mind. One quick uh, story. Last Friday, so about eight days ago, uh, I turned the corner to go run some errands in my neighborhood. And uh, we're not very close to them, but uh, years ago, uh, we were a little bit closer in terms of, you know, knowing each other. But um, their house did burn down uh, about a month ago. I don't know if you guys heard about it. It's just a few houses. Uh, I can see it from our house. And um, I turned the corner, and they're divorced now, but... They seemed, it seemed like they weren't divorced. I knew they were divorced. But they're sitting in chairs outside the house. I'm like, okay, what's going on? They're, and there's nobody else around. I'm like, what is going on? And right away, I had to make a split decision. Do I go to run my... Because I have my... I'm a, I, you guys know I teach math. I'm a concrete, sequential, algorithmic, ordered kind of guy. And I said to myself, this is, gonna, this is going to make my schedule all to whack the rest of the day. But... God hit me. He said, you got to stop. <laughs> so I did. I was there for 45 minutes. And I thought I was going to be there for five minutes. And the majority of the time, I just stood there and listened to them. Uh, there was a connection. She's a teacher. So we told many stories about teaching. And um, But I won't get into details in terms of what they're going through. But it's, it's crazy. Um, but my point is, getting back to communication is very important with friends, family, spouse, whomever. But in addition to that, it's extremely important that you just listen to people. I mean, that's, that's what God does for us every day when we pray. He listens to us. Um, I haven't done it in a while, but I think it's cool when you go to adoration and instead of just talking to him, you just sit and listen to him. I think that helps because it's so quiet over there in the chapel. But uh, communication and, um, and listening, I think, are, are key things to like a relationship. And, and Keith explained it very eloquently there about the sinful behavior and what to do and how it works. And if, if you can solve it good, if it doesn't get solved, you're, you're going to have to get some people together to, you know, to do, to do the, the, the confronting and stuff. And, and I just remember thinking back to that time period, you know, I, I had spent, you know, since Ted of 68 to 1982, you know, literally, you know, working for the church as a career in the usher, and then from 1982 till, you know, the mid, you know, 2008, let's say, uh, you know, 30 some years of the church, and, and for whatever reason, I stopped. I, I still attended, but I wish that I would have really hugged into the church and really embraced the church. Instead, I 
tried to you know, help these people that I was with, but it was not my responsibility, it was not my calling to do that. And I veered off, and a lot of people said that I fell asleep. Because even like Father Kelty said, he, he just texted me and he's big, he said, don't sleep. And I thought he meant that, like, literally. literally. <laughs> like, what am I going to do, stay up all night? <laughs> like, I, like, I can't sleep now? He goes, don't sleep. And he said, you know, he didn't mean it that way. What, what he meant yeah. is that you kind of went into the fog, and when it lifted, you had been, you know, totally devastated, and now suffering needlessly for years, uh, and, and it didn't have to be so, you know, we've we, we got to be vigilant on, on what's going on, and it was such a, you know, they say be very quiet to listen to Jesus, and a lot of times when Satan's rolling around, you know, you're prepared for him a lot of times, oh, you know, I'm not going to do this, but, you know, then you get involved with something, and, and it's very subtle. It was extremely subtle. I was a caretaking situation. My mom was still living. She was helpful with that with the family. But uh, it was extremely subtle how things went along, and then the total devastation, and it was like, wow. And, and I've been numb ever since. I've been numb for... 13 years, and just now... From then until now, I'm sorry, from yeah, then until now? Yeah, okay. and just rising out of the fog now with the help of you guys, with podcasts, with men's group, with actually listening to the scripture that you talk, and, and it's all right there, and I never understood what that meant. The answers are right there. They're right there, and Keith will explain it. He'll keep us back on track, the big tapestry, and now... I feel, I, I feel somewhat relieved, but I, but I'm but I'm constantly still looking for His mercy and redemption, and that's that's what I'm headed to. Is you know I, I, I want to redeem myself. Keith, so, so. uh, you want to expand on that? Uh, I was gonna say. Um... So there's two parts of this gospel, and we've kind of been talking about the first one uh, of the, um, uh, you know, trying to win back your brother or sister who sins, and, and you know, as Mark was saying, kind of wake them up from it, and, and, the, and you know, first you do it at the individual level, and then you bring friends, and you go to the church, and then you, you basically give up or excommunicate them. But um, I thought it was interesting. Before, and then the second part of the gospel was the, um, you know, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, um, there I am in the midst. Um, so I wanted to talk about that second part of the gospel, but uh, before doing that, I wanted to, uh, I thought it was interesting, I don't know if you guys read the, the, the first or second readings, but the, the first reading, <laughs> I feel like has to do with that first part of the gospel. I'll use it all right if I read it for you guys. Yeah, it's just, I glanced at them. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, man. And it's from uh, the book of the prophet Ezekiel. It says, uh, Thus says the Lord, uh, You, son of man, I have appointed watchmen for the house of Israel. When you hear me say anything, you shall warn them for me. If I tell the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die. And you do not speak out to dissuade the wicked from his ways. 
The wicked shall die for his guilt, but I will hold you responsible for his death. But if you warn the wicked, trying to turn him from his way, and he refuses to turn from his way, he shall die from his guilt, but you shall save yourself. So, in that reading, it's basically like, like if you see someone committing a bad sin, and you just and you just ignore it, and you don't try to confront them, God will hold you responsible for, for right. their yeah, for, for their sin. So, so uh, uh, you know, it's like a little extra motivation to uh, to to make sure that you know you're not just you know kind of turning a blind eye to um, to you know serious sins. But um, but like I said, at the same time, it's like you know we all are crazy and we are all sinners, and mm-hmm. so it's like you got to know. <laughs> You, you do everything with love, and and uh, there are like you know, I don't know, I yeah, I, I mean, that's something I think I need to medit- maybe meditate on more, but but then the second so the second part of the gospel, um, uh, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. I have a reflection on that. If you're yeah, Alice, mom, going out here. Sure. It says. <clears throat> Friends like to be together. Christ likes to be with us. When we gather in his name, especially as a whole community in the Sunday celebration of the Eucharist, but also in less official ways, he gathers with us. When we offer our prayers as members of the one family of God, he joins his own voice to ours, ensuring that we will please the Father and win his favor. Christian community is unique. It is not based merely on common goals, hobbies, or preferences. Instead, it is a a real but mystical unity brought about by Christ's own presence among us. For this reason, the Catholic community, especially the parish, will always include all types, young and old, fervent and apathetic, pleasant and crotchety, ignorant and learned, rich and poor. As one reluctant member put it, the Catholic Church can be defined as, here comes everybody. That's because Christ is a faithful friend to each of us. He plays no favorites, and neither should we. Now, is that is that read out of the Gospel, or is that the cyclical, or what is it? This is a uh, reflection from the book The Better Part by Father John Bartunek. Okay, all right. But again, everything's rooted in the gospel message. Uh, yeah, this was a reflection on the part of the gospel where Jesus says, Amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I'll, um, I'll give you a real-life example. It's, it's kind of, it's different. Um, but you guys know some things I've gone through at our church. And um, I still am attending Mass at different churches. And I went to a certain church, Catholic, in this area. And I'm learning so much from these other churches in terms of things that you can do to be Christ-like, to learn about our faith etc etc and this one church was advertising a meeting of a faith formation team okay this seems cool because um i haven't really been part of one <laughs> so i i decided to email uh the two names and the one person got back to me 
And, and this is how I feel like God's working for other people to get to me. And she said, yeah, sure, come. I'm like, okay, is this happening right now? Like some other church is, is saying, yes, come. You, know, you don't belong to our church, but you belong to some other church. And it was this past week, and uh, I went, and I was also surprised about the fact that uh, before I went to the meeting, she emailed me and said that, yeah, please feel free to share any ideas with us in terms of what we can do in terms of faith formation. And one thing I would say, is this happening? You know, as a person who doesn't belong to that church. And I find out at the meeting that the two people who are now running it are, are new to the whole thing because the other two people who ran it are now, I'm not sure what they're doing, maybe other things, but they decided to, to not do it anymore. And they're doing a round table. I mean, they, they did a prayer in the beginning, which was cool, and it gets back to the gospel, the last line about where two or three are gathered. And I don't know who anybody is, which is kind of unusual in a way because um, you have to step out of your comfort zone to do something like that, and I did because I knew nobody there. But um, I guess I got to know some of them when I was there. And they did round table, and then they said, Tom, do you have any ideas? I did have a list, um, which I created uh, years ago, and I shared with people at, at our church. And um, it was so cool to discuss all these. We, I brought up communion breakfast. Um, uh, they don't have one, so that, that was, they, they, they thought that was cool. Um, but all the examples we talked about were just, my goodness, if you think about it, it's actually the gospel. Uh, we talked about a communion breakfast. We talked about going to Abbey Fest next weekend, which I can't make for the first time, which is disappointing. Because your daughter's getting married. <laughs> well, she's getting married on Friday. And then there hasn't really been a plan for the next day, Saturday. And then I learned this past week that Sarah and Jacob, who are from South Carolina, and um, Mary, who's in Pittsburgh, um, and her boyfriend, Christine and Al, they're all coming to our place for the day. Okay, <laughs> Abby Fest, out the window. <laughs> so, but that's okay, it's, it's, it's going to be really cool just hanging out at our place. Nice group 830 if you can make it. Mark, I live in North New Jersey. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> this guy. Yeah, you got to be Superman to be like, <laughs> fly. You but know? you know what? Wait, hold on. If everybody's sleeping in at the hotel, yeah. you never know. Could make a beeline, make a stop at the men's group, then off to your house to greet people. No, no, wait. Or you can do it remotely. Well, the thing is, we might go to the beach. Um, it sounds weird, but it's at a place called The Wave. And this, guys, this is just how the kids are doing it these days, I say in their 20s and 30s. But the ceremony is on, I think, the second level of the place. It's only so many levels. And it looks out to the ocean. I just hope the weather's great on Friday. And then when the ceremony's over... They, I think they pack up all the chairs, maybe not, but people can hang out there if they go right inside. That's where all the stuff is, like the hors d'oeuvres, you know, cocktail hour. And, um, and then once that's over, it leads into a different room on the same level to where dinner is and all that stuff. So that's going to be really cool. But I'll tell Barb on Friday night when the whole thing is over, uh, if you guys sleep in, I'll be downstairs. So if you need me, just come on down. Maybe, you never know. <laughs> But but the point is, is the fact that I'm at somebody else's church in this Holy Spirit gathering. They might call it a meeting. And I, I really felt like the Holy Spirit was working through us because we talked about so many neat ideas, guys, about, about doing different events and saying, I'm, it's not that I'm going to join that church. It's just that it was a breath of fresh air to be 
in that gathering with um, about 12 people and they're talking about like doing all these events like during the um, during the academic year so but it takes me back to that last line of the gospel about where two or three are gathered yeah. so silver line to, to what we talked about you know sinful behavior or, or not or but I know when I got launched into the caretaking position my mother and father they were very vulnerable so anytime you get into a position like that where you know uh, Tom, you know, you just got done, you know, with caretaking with your mom, Keith. I'm sure, you know, you look after your sisters and, and things, but, you know, you have, you know, I was empowered. God at least put me in a position where I could do what needed to be done. I mean, there's so many people that, uh, you know, they, they, they don't have the flexibility and stuff. They, they have to answer to a spouse or children or whatever, and suddenly, you know, a situation presents itself and like, you know, some might be very limited and say, well, you know, how am I going to do this guy? You know, where, where, you know, my situation was that, you know, I was called and I could do it and I did it. And, you know, I, I was confident about that. So that's something that I, I was very happy for. And, you know, with all due respect, when a person passes or something and you were the primary caretaker and they you know you met their wishes you know you know what they wanted and, and the caretaker was done and that's what I was trying to you know tell my brother I said look whatever happened happened but they were happy with you know the way things worked out so why the animosity now and you know we never got that far but um, uh, you know God can and does give you the strength to be able to do what you're called to do, you know, what, what your calling is. And then, you know, there was a sense of relief. It's like, okay, you know, I did, I did the mission work. It's completed. It was well done, well received. Now, you know, you have to pick up the pieces of what's left and, and the suffering and the struggle and continue to carry your cross and uh but you could you, you could have some solace in that you know what you were called to do in the mission which you were called it was completed you know well well done my good and faithful servant um but yet you know there's a there's a redemptive part that uh you know i i, I need to get done somehow so that that's what i pray for the calling and very supportive right there with the encyclicals coming from, you know, the, the, the good book there and, and, you know, explaining, explaining, you know, God's, God's look on, uh, what, uh, you know, what he was preaching about where, where two are gathered on there and, you know, the flank and, and everything. It was just explaining that gospel message. Examples all around us. Like, uh, Mark, you're talking about, you know, you received that kind of like you know, strength and, and grace to, to be the caretaker and stuff. And, and so uh, uh, that's actually a good point of something that maybe unites the two parts of the gospel is that, you know, for when we need that strength and grace, you know, we can pray together asking God to give us the strength and grace to do, you know, Whatever it is that he's calling calling us to do, yeah, yeah. So especially in, yeah, yeah. 
Is, is it right if we wrap it up now or? Yeah, just one quick thing. Sure. Um, it, something came to mind when Mark just said something uh, where I thought right away about um, taking care of my mom, which started in March of this year until June 22nd. And I, I thought for the first time, I probably saw my mom more from March of this year until June 22nd than I did for how many years? And I think that's the gift that he gave me because what, what triggered that is not just what Mark said, but I have the posters from the viewing through my closet and it's hard to look at them, but I did last night and I said to myself, God gave me so much time with her. Like all the stuff we did, I was there like six, usually six days out of seven, like eight to 12 hours a day. And um, I'm thankful for that, but I mean, if she wasn't sick, then of course I would have seen her, like different events, holidays, et cetera, but not as much, like almost every day of each week. But that's just something that went through my mind with what Mark said. Yes. And I see that in your families, that despite any infighting or differences or miscommunications or whatever go on, that you're there for each other and you're there for others. And that's mm -hmm. a very loving gift that you all have. Notice that, and it's uh, it's not to be taken for granted, and it's something very special. And to witness it, uh, it actually motivates me. That's good. Awesome. awesome. When I see the McGuire family, when I see the Burke family, because you know you guys grew up in it, you're used to it, and you, and you look at it even even though you know you have your personal struggles and things. Looking at it. subjective point for my part looking at that it, it's wonderful it, it's, it's wonderful and to hear you know your stories of, of you know when you're traveling and you come back and, and you're with you know different family members or friends and you, and you hear that it's, it's very refreshing it's very refreshing it's a it's a positive environment to be and, and I think you know a lot of that here in the podcast and in the men's group and in, you know in, in, in the families it's very fortunate to uh, to witness that, and uh, it gave, I know it gives me strength to carry on, because you know if I didn't have that, that Trent makes the world takes bridge, uh, you know was looking pretty good, and uh, uh, you know we're, we're, we're going to refrain from that, and we're going to uh, continue to do the good fight. Especially talking about the word, and uh, uh, that it, it resonates, and it comes like right into me, almost through me, and back out. Uh, it, it's 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 it just it just it just bolsters me, and it, and it puts me in a in a in a, in a positive frame, and, and I appreciate it a thousand percent. It's, it's very special. And uh, you guys, you may not know this now, but there's a lot of love there that I see. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's good. It's therapeutic. It's medicine. And uh, that's what I can say about that. Thank you. All right. Uh, 
This is where if we just uh, end the podcast, we'll pray Hail, Hail Mary for all the intentions that we have and, and hold them in our hearts here. Sure. In the name of the Father, and, and of the Son, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Rosie.